The native peoples of South America tell stories passed down through generations of a giant, hairy, and pungent beast that was impossible to kill. Weighing as much as an elephant and towering as high as a giraffe, it roamed where it pleased, threatening any unfortunate foe with its giant, razor-sharp claws. This mysterious animal was a giant ground sloth, and it wasn't a myth. It was real. Welcome to Extinction Event, a podcast about extinct animals. I'm your host, Melissa Thomas, and I'm here as always with the wonderful Jack Collier. Thanks, Melissa. I like being on all the episodes so far. You're our co-host. You're listed in the show title as a co-host. So, Oh, I got a promotion. This is great. <laughs> I'll add it to my resume. I hear that you are also quite slothful at times. Oh, roasted right off the bat. Who isn't? It's probably the best of the seven deadly sins. Slothfulness, maybe tied with gluttony, but they go hand in hand. Of all the sins, I feel like it's the least... Sinful? Yeah, sinful. Well, I bet everybody's kind of adopting that stance now that binging has become so popular and just acceptable to stay inside and watch a screen for, you know, a dozen hours or so. Well, another way to say it would be the same way my therapist refers to it, which is me time. <laughs> self-care. It's oh. called self-care time. Well, that's one way to frame it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into it, I have a fun little fact for you. What's that? Hit me. Did you know that the giant ground sloth was one of the first extinct animals that we ever discovered? What? They were as popular as dinosaurs were, you know, before we had discovered dinosaurs. They were dinosaurs before there were dinosaurs. Right. You would be able to purchase pajamas that had giant ground sloths on them. All over your lunchbox. Mm -hmm. They were trying to develop uh, action franchise around a park full of them. Giant sloth park. Wow. I mean, it's nice to know they were so popular back in the day. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. I, their cousins are, are still very popular. That's true. The yeah. tiny cousins. Yeah. Um, one more thing. I might have embellished that opening just a little bit. What? <laughs> it likely used its claws for digging and pulling down high tree branches to get the best leaves and to defend itself from other predators, but it's not going out and hunting down and eating those animals because it's vegetarian. You did make it seem like it was a big bloodthirsty carnivore, and that seems to be not the case. No, it was not. Hmm. It was a lo lovable herbivore. The giant ground sloth inhabited South America starting around 35 million years ago. Then around 8 million years ago, some of them moved up to North America. This was a time of giant beasts, the megafauna. We've got animals like mammoths, giant beavers, dire wolves, the saber-toothed tiger... These creatures dominated the landscape. The ground sloth was no exception. The very largest ground sloth, the Megatherium, could weigh more than 13,000 pounds. It was the size of an elephant or a mammoth. Well, you know, Melissa, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Clifford the Big Red Dog is actually based on this uh, time period of megafauna. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of fan theories that he is actually a clone of a, a giant red dog that was found frozen in an ice cap. Wow, I did not know that. That's fascinating, Jack. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, though, because the giant ground sloth was also really hairy, like Clifford was. Was he red? I, I don't think he was a redhead, but... um. They were probably hairy little buds back in the day. It's carnivore. That's true. They probably weren't friends. Maybe he um, was having to defend off Clifford from attacks. He absolutely did. He could read it in my fan fiction. (laughs) Well, moving on. A big creature like the ground sloth probably didn't have a ton of enemies, but some carnivorous megafauna like the saber-toothed tiger, maybe Clifford the big red dog might have gone after them from time to time. Luckily, they had some pretty nifty built-in defense mechanisms. Some ground sloths had something called dermal ossicles. These are small pebble-like bones embedded in the skin. They're also found in reptiles, and it gave them a natural armor. And in the case of Clifford, they used a giant rolled-up newspaper (laughs) as a deterrent. Um, Armored skin... Is uh, That's a pretty cool, nifty feature, I think. Yeah, I wonder if this was to protect against, like, saber-toothed tigers biting them, or if it was literally just having thicker skin. Because, let's face it, sloths were probably getting bullied a lot. You're big, you're pretty slow-moving, and it's really hairy. These are all characteristics of, uh, you know, that kid in middle school who was sitting alone at the uh, corner of the gym. Having thick skin is going to be a huge advantage. Yeah, huge advantage. And as we know, they could also have used their claws to scare off predators, and they could also rise up on their hind legs to look more intimidating. Have you ever seen those videos online of the anteaters standing up on their hind legs with their arms out? It's like their threat stance. Yes. This is, you're describing like the come at me, bro, anteaters. Yes, it is hilarious. If you have not seen those, please look it up. I'll just do anteater, come at me, bro, or anteater arm stance. I love that video. It's so silly. I like because he pops up. He's using his tail to kind of balance. Pops up and sticks his arm out. And he's like, what? 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 What are you going to do? What? And it's it's just, it's everything that like that you do when you, you don't want to fight, and but you still want to act hard. And you're like, come on, come at me, bro. Come on. Yeah. Hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it might have been an early precursor to a drunken frat boy. <laughs> but that's not the only reason they would stand up like that. It wasn't just like a Ice Age show of testosterone. They also had this tail, similar to an anteater's, probably. And they would rise up, use that tail to make a tripod, and pull down branches that are really high up and get the best leaves the most choice leaves the choicest of the choice and if you have the means i highly suggest the giant ground sloth is in the same taxonomic super order as modern tree sloths armadillos and anteaters and they seem to share a lot in common with those modern day cousins the armor of the armadillo the claws of the tree sloth, and the ability to walk on all fours or rise up on the hind legs like an anteater does. So let me just check the boxes here. It's the size of an elephant. It can stand up to be as tall as a giraffe. Uh, It has like armor skin. 
It's really hairy and it has huge mega claws. Is that about right? And? And it sounds like a big nerd. (laughs) Well, this isn't going to help that, but part of the legends passed down through South American storytelling spoke of the pungent, putrid smell of the beast. Okay, so now you've just completed me entering middle school. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm starting to feel a real kind of spiritual connection with the giant ground sloth (laughs) at this point. If you put them in some sweatpants and uh, give them a personal pan, Little Caesars pizza, and sit them in the corner at the gym at lunch. (laughs) Yeah, that's about my spirit animal right now. This poor animal is just like uh, constantly in puberty. Yeah, and his only defense is to just stand up and and put his arms out. (laughs) What? Do it. Tough times for the ground sloth. It gets better. <laughs> for me, at least. I don't know about the ground sloth. But actually, I know for the ground sloth, it does not get better. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys died out a long time ago. How do we know anything about them besides these weird stories from the South Americans? Besides the dreams I keep having where I am one of these walking through the forest and a couple other mega fauna come up and tie my shoes together and I trip. most of what we know about the giant ground sloth is through their bones and coprolite coprolite is petrified poop and they left a lot of it behind paleontologists excavating caves with sloth remains have found piles of it which leads me to believe that caves might have been prehistoric porta potties it makes a lot of sense you're protected on three sides just like a regular porta potty (laughs) and uh they may or may not have been shoved in there by some other fauna <laughs> and locked from the outside. The like paleontologists in there. And you see here on the head, the, the intricate swirling pattern of the hair. <laughs> this was an early swirly. <laughs> Definitely bullied by other animals in the kingdom. I'm going to guess like they got a lot of wedgies and maybe even atomic wedgies. What's an atomic wedgie? Atomic wedgie is where you get such a huge wedgie, it rips your underwear. And I believe the waistband has to come up over your head. And then for it to come over your head, you're going to have to rip your underwear. It's only a matter of time before we uncover the remains of a ground sloth that has the underwear intact. (laughs) And we could prove this theory once and for all. Analysis of dung balls show that they ate a variety of plants, things like agave, yucca, Joshua tree, cactus, and grasses of various kinds. Melissa, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, Don't you have something you need to be sharing (laughs) as far as dung news? Uh, This is very exciting. If you visit the Extinction Event Twitter, that's at ExtinctionPod on Twitter, There's going to be a photo of dung balls on there that the Smithsonian Institute gave us permission to use. Well, specifically gave you because you wrote it and asked. Very exciting. I'm the only person on Twitter asking for permission to use other people's images. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really cool photo. I, I don't even think these were from a particularly big ground sloth even because they came in a variety of sizes ranging from 200 pounds to 13,000 pounds. So who knows? 
uh, this could have been from a 500 pounder but even then it's just massive it's amazing go to the twitter and look at these things (laughs) carry on so we found a variety of things in these dung balls. We know that they have really good taste because one of the things we've found is avocado pits. The enormous digestive system they had could process the large avocado seeds, and this helped to spread it across the continent. In fact, if humans hadn't come along and developed a taste for avocados, it might have gone extinct along with the ground sloth, which means no guacamole. Which means... No reason to live. <laughs> uh, quick story time. Okay, one time I was at a, um, just like a backyard kind of barbecue thing. And there was a giant bowl of guacamole with some rather large scooping chips, right? Mm-hmm. The scoops ones. I get in there and I really dig. I see a big chunk. I think it's like, you know, good guacamole. It's still kind of chunky. It's not liquid. Eh, I guess. In my pr- preference. So I see this one and I dive in and I get a pretty big chunk and I put the whole thing in my mouth. And instantly I realized that I have an entire avocado pit in my mouth. (laughs) And I, okay, it's not a giant pit. It's not what you're thinking. You know, it's not the size of a golf ball. It's slightly smaller, (laughs) but it's all the way in my mouth. Like I can't close it and I have to like, I luckily, thank God I wasn't talking to anybody. And then just kind of like picked up a napkin and this is like, like why yeah, are you taking bites that big? It, I, I just scooped and went for it. I don't know. I, I had a couple of drinks. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I hope. I, I hope. Because but there's no way that's going through my digestive system. I'm trying to visualize it. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> it happened. Well, I hope you learned this is just a, a lesson. It's another way that me and the giant ground sloth have... I'm, it's like reading an autobiography. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. Um, wow. Extinction Event is sponsored by Mammoth Bar. Mammoth Bar is a certified organic food bar that's low in sugar, high in protein, and no weird stuff. Melissa, what's something weird that's in food? Mayonnaise. Excellent. There's no mayonnaise in these bars. Nice. That I know of. Uh, There's vanilla almond, cashew cinnamon, goji berry trail mix, and macadamia coconut. You've tried all these. Which ones do you I've tried all of them. I love them all. You can't just say you love a ball. you got to have one for these aren't your children. They're a food bar. <laughs> you can play favorites. The, nobody's feelings are going to be hurt. Goji berry trail mix. You're going to pick that over macadamia coconut. I, I can't believe you. I lo- Here's the thing. I love macadamias because they're so expensive. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love the goji berry trail mix. Great. Uh, they're free from harmful additives. It's just a cleaner and more nutritious bar. And uh, here's something. You don't keep them in your just regular pantry. You put them in the fridge. That's how fresh the ingredients are. Hmm. Hey, Jack, you know what's weird? What? It's weird that Mammoth Bar hasn't sent me any bars to try. They have sent you bars to try. What's weird is I, that you're lying about I'm it. A- I'm out of bars is what I'm saying. I could use another shipment of bars. Well, just go on to mammothbar.com. You can pick out which flavor you want. And click order, and they'll ship it to your house where you live, or 
maybe you're at work and you want it shipped there because it's a good snack to have at work when you're feeling hungry. Okay, so mammothbar.com. You know how much they cost? Free. Just kidding. You have to pay money. But they yeah. are gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. So in a, in a, they kind of are free. They are free. No fillers. You know what it's not free of? What? 12 grams of protein. Oh, you're right. It's packed with it. Well, cool. Thank you, Mammoth Bar. No weird stuff. Okay, so we have these big cuddly vegetarians that get picked on by Ice Age bullies every now and then, but they seem to be thriving for millions of years. Then around 10,000 years ago, they all disappear, even the other megafauna. So what happened to these giants? The truth is, what happened to the giant ground sloth, and this is kind of a bummer, is still a mystery. We do have some clues, though, about what might have happened. Theory number one, climate change. During the time of the giant ground sloth, North America was covered by glaciers, some up to two miles thick. It's believed that these large northern glaciers created a windbreak, and when the ice finally melted, that harsh winds made the winters colder, leading to their demise. But this would only account for the extinctions directly downwind of the glaciers, and this doesn't really explain why there weren't mass extinctions at the end of other glacial melting periods that happened many times throughout the Ice Age. So there's not a lot of evidence right now to support the climate change theory, but that doesn't mean it wasn't. Hmm. Sounds like another Chinese climate change hoax to me. (laughs) What was the second one? Theory number two. Extraterrestrial impact. Exploding stars or comets impacted the Earth and disrupted our ecosystem. This theory seems to stem from the common theory about how the dinosaurs went extinct. While this is entirely plausible, there's really no evidence to support it. Hey, for work for dinos, why not? Well, with the dinosaur impact that caused the extinction of the dinosaurs, there is a lot of geological evidence to support it. In this case, we don't have it. When have facts ever needed to be present to actually believe a theory? (laughs) There are many other theories out there, but I will share with you one more. Humans did it. The Clovis people, who crossed the Bering Land Bridge into North America, could have led to the demise of the giant sloth. Their arrival roughly coincides with the extinction of the ground sloth, who was thought to be an easy target because it fed in open fields and was relatively slow. Oh, here it is. Huh? Relatively slow. Here comes the ultimate bully, the super jock known as humans. And they see this big, stumbling, stinky nerd and can't help themselves. Typical. Next thing you know, he's stealing his lunch money and taking all his avocados. Well, good news for your spirit animal. Turns out there's not a whole lot of evidence to actually support this theory. Why? Well, the Clovis people weren't the first people to enter North America. Sites now date human remains to far earlier than that. Also, no remains of giant sloths have ever been found in Clovis people's sites. There is evidence that humans ate them. We found cut marks on the bones of fossils that were left by man-made tools. We also recently found some footprints in New Mexico. Shout out to New Mexico. Land of enchantment. Green chili. What's up? What, what? 
Um, and the and it looks like some humans were chasing three brown sloths. But really, we don't have any way of knowing whether these instances are showing that we've been scavenging them or hunting them. You know, we don't know what happened at the end of that chase. We don't really know if those cut marks were from an animal that had already died. Was there any petrified spitballs or <laughs> perhaps their homework was strewn about, knocked out of their hands? Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. Well, whether it was the harsh climate of a changing planet, an assassin's meteor sent from the stars, or a good old-fashioned avocado-fueled human killing spree, in the end, the result was the same. Total annihilation of the species. Thanks for playing, giant ground sloth. Maybe one day we'll figure out the mystery of your demise. Game over. So we might not know what happened to the giant ground sloth, but we do know what happened to their tiny relatives, the tree sloths. They survived, and they have permanently smug smiles to prove it. This week on Countdown Clock to Extinction, the pygmy three-toed sloth. Can I stop you? Yes. What makes you think they're so smug? (laughs) Have you seen that smile? Come on. I don't get smug from that. I don't know. I just look at them and I feel like they, they know something I don't. Well, that could be the same look as someone who just farted and is waiting for you to smell it. Because <laughs> that's kind of the look I get from them. Exactly. Is that not smug? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So these pygmy three-toed sloths, they're really tiny. They only live in this one area where they have a forest that is a- around two square miles and... Illegal logging of that forest, along with hunting and human encroachment, is leading to their demise. At last count, they were down to just 79 sloths. I mean, 79, if that's just in two square miles, it kind of seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, right? actually, it does seem like a lot. Just imagine if you, you like, there were 79 dogs in, within two miles. So you'd just be like, there's dogs everywhere. <laughs> I also like how human encroachment is another reason for them being in decline. It's like, yeah, man, they're cute and tiny. A pygmy anything is going to lead to human encroachment. Mm-hmm. Miniature it's... version of any animal. I, I want in on it. <laughs> it's the hug of death. Come here. Let me give you a squeeze. <laughs> That's what we do to animals. It is. Well, good luck, pygmy three-toed sloth. I wish you a... Uh... Weren't so cute. So we talked about a giant sloth and a pygmy sloth. Are you up for some mildly interesting regular sloth facts since we have some time? Yes. How do I subscribe? (laughs) So you know that tree sloths get a bad rap for being slow. Yeah. And lazy. Mm -hmm. Turns out they're not all that lazy, actually. They only sleep 10 to 14 hours a day. Koalas, a truly lazy animal, sleep 20. So why isn't koala one of the seven deadly sins? That is a good point. Repent from your koala-like ways. (laughs) They only have four hours a day where they have to be held accountable for anything on that schedule. Oh, that's the dream. Right? Hit me back uh, (laughs) in this window from one to five o'clock. I'm busy. (laughs) Their slow pace not only saves energy, but it's also their main defense system. It serves as camouflage from their main predators, which are jaguars, pumas, and harpy eagles. 
these predators can't see them because they're moving too slow. Uh, that's how I kind of fight those traffic cams, is that I'll just slowly creep through the intersection so the, <laughs> the camera doesn't pick me up. It's actually funny you mention that because the sloths do the same thing with motion sensor cameras that scientists put out to try and observe them. They're just moving too slow and they don't take photos of them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I love it. Like They have existed for millions of years by doing just as little work as possible. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I love the sloth. That's the smug smile, dude. They've got it all figured out. You're right. Yeah. And they deserve to be that smug. They're good at swimming, which I forgot to mention earlier. Also, the they think some ground sloths were good swimmers as well. This seems like it would contradict the super smelly part if they were taking baths. That's true. But think about uh, middle school students. They're taking a lot of showers, aren't they? For different reasons. Wink. Okay. I love this next fact. Sloths come down once a week to poop. Well, maybe that's the one thing that's really like carried through since the days of the, gr- the giant ground sloth. Yes. That's him really connecting with his primal past. Going down there for one glimmering second, dropping a deuce and remembering his days as a giant. Yeah. This one's for my homies. Yeah. <laughs> Pour one out. I'm pooing out for my homies. <laughs> All right. Final little fact about the tree sloth. They can die and just stay affixed to a branch in that position indefinitely. <laughs> so wait, they can just die while hanging onto a branch and just rot there. Yeah, their claws are hooked onto the branch. They're just affixed there, I assume, until they become a so bones. So out, out there in the forest right now, there's just yeah jangly bones <laughs> of sloths just dangling from branches. Somewhere some poor guys like on a hike and... <laughs> And the sloth skeleton drops down in front of me. <laughs> like a haunted house. Oh my god, I love sloths. <laughs> They're joking around even in death. <laughs> they had one more. What do we go? I I don't mind that. It's like, hey, when I die, put my body up in a tree. <laughs> then one day it'll just fall out of the sky and really freak people out. You know what? I'm into that too. If I st- that's hilarious. That's you, all I want. Would you know what tree, though? Would your family be able to like go over to that tree? And I be- don't care. Wherever. <laughs> I just want my head to like fall out of the tree <laughs> while someone's having lunch. Oh, A nice God. picnic. Oh, okay. And then my head comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jangly Bones. All right. Well, that about does it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Extinction Event. If you'd like to learn more about the giant ground sloth or how you can help the pygmy three-toed sloth, visit Extinction Event on Twitter at Extinction Pod. Thanks for listening. Next time on Extinction Event, the giant Galapagos tortoises of Pinta Island and their most famous resident, Lonesome George. These laid-back behemoths had been on vacation mode for millions of years until we showed up and brought them all back down to reality. A Peg Leg Deer production. <laughs>